Uh, if you would, please, open with me in the Bible to the book of Colossians. Colossians and chapter 3. In just a couple weeks, we are going to celebrate resurrection. We're going to celebrate Easter. And here's the thing. Statistics say, if you invite someone to church for that Sunday, they will say yes. Statistics say, that's the one, hey, if you invite them, they're going to come. And so, given that, that should take all the fear away. So that means this, you should invite someone to church Easter Sunday. Because it's going gonna, it's gonna to be really fun. Um, I, my promise to you is this. Uh, maybe there's someone in your life that you've been wanting to invite to church. Or um, there's someone that you know that has been really hurt by the church. Or hurt, hurt by uh, just another Christian. And they have a really bad taste in their mouth. Um, and they just feel like, man, when, when it comes to church, it, I'm just going to get judged. And all these types of things. Let me, let me just go ahead and lay the groundwork for you. That's like, that's, that's not who we are here. Like everybody is welcome. And so my commitment to you is that they're going to hear a message of hope and they're going to hear a message that, man, Jesus is the answer. And so please feel comfortable uh, inviting those people for Easter Sunday and, and every other Sunday throughout the year. Hey man, it's all good. I've got two of them myself, bro. <laughs> I, I got a four-year-old and a two-year-old. I feel you. I feel you, bro. <laughs> this morning we were trying to pray, and my two-year-old's like spilling coffees and stuff, and they're running around. It's all good. We love the kids. We love the kids. It's all good. So uh, Colossians chapter 3. Are we there? If you don't have it, it's going to be on the screen. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at the right hand of God. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life in your real life. Your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glories. So put to death the sinful earthly things that are lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality and impurity and lust and evil desires. Don't be greedy. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world, but now... Is the time to get rid of the anger and rage and malice and slander and dirty language. Don't lie to each other. You've been stripped of this old nature and all of its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. Let me read that one more time. Back up. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. 
in this new life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. It doesn't matter if you're white or black or skinny or fat. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter uh, all how much money you got in the bank, what kind of car you drive. None of these things. It, Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. So since God chose you to be a holy people that he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Make allowance for each other's faults. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you and you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love and bind us all together in perfect harmony and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let this message of Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Man, what a good portion of scripture. And the, you kind of hear some, some of the language that the writer, that Paul is writing to this church. There's this, man, you've been raised in new, new life, that there's a real life in Christ, that you have a new nature. You are being renewed. This whole idea that you are being new, that you are a brand new creation in Christ. You are new, and yet you are being made new. Man, there's some resurrection that is happening. See, whenever we talk about resurrection, oftentimes our mind goes to two different places. One, we start to think about resurrection past. We start to think of, man, the the cross and and Jesus, and he was resurrected from the dead. And, And the thing that all of Christianity hangs its hat on, that, man, listen, that Christ is raised from the dead. As a matter of fact, Paul goes so far, and I believe it's uh, 1 Corinthians 15, that he says, listen, if Christ hasn't been raised from the dead, all of this, this stuff that we're doing, it's in vain. All of your faith is in vain if Christ hasn't risen from the dead. This is like this, the central point of Christianity, that, that God has risen from the dead. And sometimes when we think about Christianity, we think about, well, there's this moment it, it, that resurrection has, has happened in the past. Or, or we kind of go to this other idea of, well, resurrection will happen in the future. That there will be a day when, when, when Christ comes back and we'll be resurrected with him and we'll have new bodies and, and, and there's heaven and, and all of this will be done away with and, and, and all of these thoughts of resurrection of the past and resurrection of the future. But often what we forget about is that resurrection is happening right now. That there is some resurrection that's happening in your life right now. That you have been raised to new life in Christ. And then he uses this word here, he uses this word that set our sights on the realities of heaven, which is very interesting that he would put it this way. Because whenever we think in terms of reality, what do we say? We think reality of this earth as we know it. Have you ever kind of had a conversation with someone and you're talking about a certain thing that might be going on, and then you say something like, well, the reality of the situation is this. I've got to go to work. I've got to 
pull 60 hours. I've got, I can't pay my bills. And then we just kind of, kind of start to complain about the realities. And we begin to talk it really in terms of what we're going through on this earth. Because that's what we can feel, taste, touch, smell. It's everything that this life is made up of. I mean, it's the realities of this life. And yet, Paul says something completely different. That, listen, there is a life that's even more real than this life that you're living right now. That that is actually even more real. This is a reality of heaven that's even more tangible, more, more real than what you know to, to touch and taste and smell and live and, and all of these things, that there is a whole different type of reality. And so what Paul doesn't realize is that he's actually setting the scene for roughly a couple thousand years later, someone's going to come along and say, you know what, this, this makes really good text for a movie. And we'll call this movie The Matrix. And, the, and this whole idea of this movie, The Matrix, is built on this idea that Paul is talking about 2,000 years ago. That there is a world that's even more real than the world that you're living in now. Have you all seen The Matrix movies? Like, whoa! So, whoa, wait, hold on. Have you all seen The Matrix? Man, I'm getting old. Seriously, that was like the movie of the day. You guys, well, let me explain it to you. This movie is built on this premise <laughs> that everything, that there is a whole other world, right? I'm not going to even go. Y'all should, go. Y'all should have seen the movie. Yeah, there's like part one, two, and three. Anyway, I'm, I'm blown away right now. But the whole idea that there is a, a world beyond this world that we're living in. And, and when we read the scriptures, when we look at the teachings of Jesus and Paul, and there, there's some of these men that they begin to talk about this world as well. Well, everything in this world is temporal. Man, houses and cars and, and everything. It's all, uh, in, in Ecclesiastes, the writer uses the word vanity. In some translations, it actually translates the word vapor. In other words, this, it's, it's a breath. All of this, here today, gone tomorrow. I mean, think about it for a moment. Everything that sometimes we treasure and hold so dear as being the realities of this world, man, 100 years from now, 200 years from now, nothing. Uh, I, I think I've told you this before. This was not too many years ago. I rolled up to this car lot, and there was this awesome, it was like a 1984 BMW. But this was a BMW that I remember as a kid kind of having this poster on my wall. It was, it was a $100,000 car, right, back in, back in the 80s, which is crazy, you know. And now you can spend like 100000 for a Ford, which, anyway. So, you know, this BMW, this crazy V12 engine, and I roll up to this car lot, and I'm looking at this car, and the price tag on it is $3,500. bucks. i am like, this was a $100,000 car less than 20 years ago, and now you can't sell it for 3500 bucks. And that's the reality, right? Like all of this stuff, everything that we kind of work so hard for sometimes, it's like that BMW. Like there's going to come a point where dude, nobody wants that. It used to be cool, but it's not anymore. And if we're not careful, what happens is we get caught up in the things of this world 
so much so that we reverse what the scriptures are saying and all of the things of this world become our reality and heaven becomes the fantasy, right? Heaven becomes the, well, one day we'll get there. One day we'll reach that pie in the sky, you know, we'll get there and and everything. And we kind of have this kind of almost mythological idea of heaven where we're just kind of floating on clouds all day and everything's playing harps and, you know, there's little campfires and everybody's like semi-hippie. And like, no, like seriously, like that's, that's the best we could come up with. And Jesus looks like Swedish Jesus with a beard. And like, you know, no, like it's different. And so heaven becomes a fantasy, And this world that we live in becomes our reality and says, listen, you have been raised to a brand new life. Set your sights on the reality of heaven, that there is something more to live for than this life that you're living now. There is a big picture involved when you become awakened to the things of Christ. But what happens is, just like in this movie, The Matrix, there's this guy that he's kind of in the real world he goes to the bad guys and says, listen, I want you to reinsert me back into the matrix. I want you to reinsert me back into the dream world. Because even though I know that it's fake, I'd rather kind of live there because, and it's just, it's so much more comfortable. And I just thought to myself, man, how often is that our story? Where we would trade the realities of heaven, the realities of eternity with our creator for the temporal things of this world. There's a story in the Old Testament about these two brothers, Esau and Jacob. And Esau and Jacob are brothers. And there's this moment where Esau goes out and it says that he's been hunting and he's had no luck. And so he comes back in and he says, listen, brother, I am starving. Won't you please give me some of this soup? And to which the, the other brother, Jacob, says, listen, you want some of this soup? I, I got a deal for you. I will give you this bowl of soup, this lentil soup, but in exchange, you've got to give me your birthright. You've got to give me your birthright. And to which Esau replies and says, well, what good is my birthright if I'm starving? And so he makes this trade. He trades his birthright for a bowl of soup. He trades the thing that at the time was intangible for this moment of just feeling like, oh, I could find some relief in this bowl of soup. And, and the scripture tells us this, that he sits down and he, he eats the soup and he gets up and walks away. And from that moment on, he despised his brother. And the soup wasn't even that good. But he sold his birthright for a bowl of soup. He sold all, everything that was entitled to him for this moment of pleasure. How often do we do the same things. How often are we, man, just like Judas? I mean, he, he sold out Jesus for this, man, here's some coins. Here, here's some coins. Here's these, here's these coins, and all we need you to do is go and, and pick out Jesus and kiss him on the cheek. And, and like, we look at those situations, we're like, man, that's crazy. Like, a bowl of soup for your birthright, or, or just a few coins for selling out Jesus. But the reality is sometimes I think we do it every day. Um, again, maybe I'll date myself here. It's weird that I'm starting to feel old. It's just, it's really weird. Still blown away that y'all haven't watched The Matrix. Anyway, so whenever I was, you know, probably nine, ten years old, 
Uh, the big thing was to trade baseball cards. Baseball cards were these little cards that put <laughs> sports figures on them, baseball and basketball and football. They would catch them in action, dunking the basketball. And they were little. And, and so we would trade baseball cards. And, and the idea is when you were trading baseball cards with your friends, that the trade had to be kind of somewhat equal. Hey, I will trade you, um, you know, my Magic Johnson card for your, who? I don't know who that is. See, there you go. I'm not the only <laughs> old one up in here. Okay, so uh, Jordan, yeah, all right. And, you know, you, you kind of made things like equal, right? Uh, but who, who, who would make this trade of like, all right, dude, you've got Michael Jordan rookie card, and I've got Jimmy Bob Gilligan. <laughs> Sounds like a good trade, right? No, no one would. No one in their right mind would make this trade. You know, it, it, it's impossible. But here, I'll tell you what we'll do. You give me Michael Jordan's rookie, I'll give you twelve of Jimmy Bob Milligans. Like, no, we still wouldn't make that trade because this one is worth way more. The Bible tells a story. Listen, Jesus says there's this man. And he's this merchant. And he ha- he's, he's out and he's looking for this pearl. He's looking for this pearl of great price. And, and, and when he finds it, he sells everything he has to go and get this one thing. He trades in all of his Jimmy Bob Milligans so he could get his one Michael Jordan rookie card. And yet, th- th- this is the, the realities of the kingdom. And yet often, we are on the other end of the stick. We are trading in our birthright for a bowl of soup. We are trading in all of eternity, the realities of heaven, for the pleasures of right now. For the pleasures of right now. Man, I mean, we do it every time we go to McDonald's. <laughs> Those aren't, that's not a real cheeseburger, guys. I'm just letting you know. <laughs> McDonald's has robbed you. <laughs> you know, you traded in real money for a fake burger, right? <laughs> and every time you drink juicy juice, it says it right on there, contains no real juice. What is it then? There's nothing juicy or juice about this thing. Like, we traded in, we got robbed. Man, you, you traded all your Billy Bobs, and Jordan's right there. Man, for, for this moment, uh, let me get real serious for a second. Men, when you look at pornography, you've traded in the real thing for something fake. You've traded the truth for a lie. You hearing me? Sometimes we rotate and, 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 and revolve around this idea of the now. And heaven becomes the fantasy and everything becomes about, well, well what's right here and right now? And, and he says, listen, put your, your sights on heaven. Put your sights on heaven. And how do we do that? How, how do we live that kind of life? That, so much to the point where Paul, even being in prison, being beaten, says, listen, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Paul's saying, listen, no matter what happens to me, I win. You beat me, you put me in prison, you do all these things, it doesn't matter because to live is Christ. I'm telling people about Jesus. This life is just but a moment and I'm going to do the best to run my race and to run to win. And even if you kill me, I still win because then I get to live with Jesus and then I will know him fully just as, just as he knows me fully and I'll fully know him. And so it doesn't matter. Whatever you do, I win. What is it that he could, he could it's something that's just in him that, let's be honest, man, I wish that was in me. Say, God, I, I wish my eyes were 
more focused on the realities of heaven. But on, God, I got to be honest with you, sometimes I just get focused on the, well, what I would consider the realities of this world. Because the realities of this world, God, man, I just busted my butt for 60 hours and I did all of these things to help these, uh, and nobody cares and, and I, I can't pay these bills and, and things have just gotten bad and I'm dealing, man, there's cancer and there's stress and there's doctor's appointments and there's family members that are mad at each other and there's all of this and that is the reality of what I'm going through. But we forget that we are going through it. And that there is an eternity. And, and, and so, God, what are some things? What are some things to help us keep our mind, as Paul is saying, on the realities of heaven? A few things. One, you need to recognize your treasure. You need to recognize your treasure. In the book of Luke, chapter 21, there's a famous story of uh, Jesus and the disciples, and they go to the temple, they go to this place. And there's this moment where they're kind of doing their rendition of the offering and people are dropping money. And this widow comes by and she just drops these two mites, which would be the equivalent of like just a couple pennies. And she drops these few pennies into the offering place. And so Jesus takes this moment and he uses this as a teaching lesson to his disciples. And he says, listen, do you guys just see what she did? I tell you what, what she gave it's more valuable than what all of these people gave. Now, this is the point where we kind of, kind of look at that, and we think that the story is all about money. But Jesus is pointing out something even more. Because at this point, then they begin to walk out of the temple. And, t- and, and the disciples begin to have this conversation, and to which the disciples begin to point out the beauty of the temple. Man, look, look at the beautiful carvings. Look at the, the inset, insets of the gems and the stones and, and everything that went into making the temple what it is. And what they're doing is they're looking at Jesus and saying, listen, how can we get this with what you said was the greatest gift? Because there's no way you could get diamonds and rubies and gems with pennies. How do we get this? And Jesus, you're saying this is so much better. I don't get it. What's, what's going on? Uh, imagine for a moment. Imagine for a moment, like, we have this huge field, just acres and acres of field and tall grass. And I come out there. So I got a job for you. I'd like you to mow all of this grass. Okay, yeah, we could do that. And to which I hand you the world's smallest push mower. <laughs> and you just kind of look at me like, uh, that's impossible. That's kind of like this moment here. Man, all of this with just these pennies, I don't see how it's possible, God. All, all of this, and, and to which Jesus replies to him and says, listen, all of this that you're seeing, all the, the, the sh- everything that's shining, everything that you think, man, is so valuable, all of that's going to be demolished. It's all going to be destroyed. It's all passing away. Because here's the thing. The, the Jews had spent years, years and years and years putting hard work into building this thing. And they're saying, what? Man, this, this has been our effort. This has been our goal. This has been our dream. And they're saying, like, all this is going to fade away. Uh, here at this church, man, we have it drawn on the back wall. We want to build this building. But the reality is that building is going to fade away. There'll come a moment when it's worthless. And Jesus is trying to get at something more. He's trying to get at, listen, you need to have the real 
treasure in mind. The real treasure in mind. Uh, Colossians 1 and 27 says this. Here is this secret. Here's the secret. You want to you know what it is? Here's the secret. Christ lives in you. Christ is the temple. Christ is the God of all creation living. Is, you are more valuable than this. Because all of this is going to fade away. But you, you are so much more important than all of the riches of this world. Than everything that this world has to offer. You are so much more valuable. And what seems impossible on the outside is so possible with God. It's so possible when you know what your real treasure is. Let that kind of sink in for a second. Because these aren't just words to Paul. These, he actually 100% believes this with everything that's in him. See, when we know what the real treasure is, we have no problem trading in the Billy Bob Gilligan cards because we know we're getting the Michael Jordan. We have no problem not doing some of these things that the world tells us, this is where we'll find your peace. This is where you'll find happiness. And we have no because, well, we know where the real peace is at. We know where the real joy is at. We know that there's a promise in Christ that is greater than all of this. Now, here comes the moment where it's tricky. Because for the most part, most of us maybe have heard this. For the most part, most of us, if you've attended church for a long time, you, you've, you've kind of had this idea and this concept of, well, the, the things of this world, set your eyes on the things of God. And so we leave the service, and, and we kind of go, we go home with this little bit of almost, like, I think I'm convicted, because there's the part of me that I, I am caught up and some of these things, and, and well, maybe I should sell my car, or maybe I should sell my house. And, and then we start to like look at all of our stuff, and, and there's this little bit of it, and we don't know what to do. And then maybe, maybe some of us even do it. We kind of sell a few things. But then a few years go by, or maybe even a few days or a few weeks, and, and all of a sudden we find ourselves back in the same boat again. Our eyes, again, are set on the things of this world, and we thought that we were trying to do things, and it just kind of keeps going back in this rotation. And so here's what it's interesting, as Paul says this, after he's just finished talking about the realities of heaven, uh, of setting your life on a new life, that you are a brand new creation, you're experiencing resurrection, and he says this, so put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Whoa, hold on a second, I'm a brand new creation in Christ, I've, I've come out, there's a brand new life, and yet there's this sinful lurking thing in me whoa 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 hold, hold on a second here and, and we don't like to talk about this right we don't we don't like to, to bring that up because we don't want to admit hey we're still going through some things yeah you're you're saved and and, and you believe in jesus you've accepted christ as your savior but here's something there, there's still some messed up stuff inside of you you still have some some unpure thoughts you still do some things that, man, I hope nobody finds out about that. I'm still struggling with that. And yet Paul addresses, listen, there's some earthly things lurking inside of you. And then he gives this list. And, and this would kind of be what I would call, like, later on there's this 
fruits of the Spirit, but then here's some fruit of the flesh. Listen, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed. He goes so far to say, listen, uh, don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater. Have you ever been greedy for anything? I know I've been greedy, but I've never really looked at it as like, man, that's idolatry. What? No, we think of idolatry as, man, that's something that they do over in India, right? They make these statues, and they make all these little, and there's the elephant with all the arms, and there's all these things, and that's idolatry. You bow down and you worship to the elephant god, and all these things. That's idolatry. No, no, no. Plus, listen, if you're greedy, there's something in your life that you put before God, and that has become an idol in your life, and that is idolatry. And so, so we kind of get rid of these things, this anger, this rage, this malice, this slander, this dirty language. Whoa, he's talking to Christians here, all right? He's talking to Christians. He's talking to me. He's talking to you guys. This, this isn't your drug-addicted neighbor down the street, all right? This is for us. And he's saying, listen, you have got to recognize that you are on a journey. You are new. You are a brand-new creation in Christ, and yet you are being made new. God's brought you out of Egypt, but God's got to get Egypt out of you. There's some, you've got some messed up thinking. You've got to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You, you have got to put on these things of Christ. You have been raised to new life in Christ. You are saved. It is a brand new day for you. Christ has become alive in you. But here's the thing. You have no clue what you're doing. You're like two newlyweds. You have no idea what you're getting into. I mean, think about it for a second. If there's anyone in here and, and you are married and you stood at that altar and you said things like, listen, girl, I'm going to love you, rich or poor, sickness and in health, till death. Do-. I mean, we made all, man, we didn't know what we were getting into. We didn't know what we were committing to. And then all of a sudden, like, you wake up and girl looks crazy. Like, Whoa, wait a minute. What I commit to? Oh, yeah, I love you. Yeah, all right. I, and then y'all start having kids. Oh man, she turns it. She just gets different. She, it's just a different woman. Come on, y'all. Girl, I promise, I'm just gonna love you. You standing at that altar. Oh man, we got love. It don't matter what it is. Man, we just got love. Man, it don't matter. We don't need nothing. I remember me and Devin got married, and then I got fired from my job. I didn't have no job, no car, no house. It was all good. We had love. Girl, we got, what are we going to eat tonight? I don't know. We got love, girl. Nowadays, things are a little bit different. We're getting ready to celebrate 10 years. And, and the thing is, when I tell my wife I love her now, it's the same as when I told her 10 years ago at that altar, but it's different. And for the couple in here that's been married for 25 years, it's the same, and yet it's different. See, there was life and love that was happening, that will happen, and is happening right now. There's resurrection that has happened, that will happen, and is happening right now. You are a brand new creation in Christ. There's resurrection power inside of you right now. And the realization that this is a complete mystery, and yet it's completely logical. Your past, your present, and your future are all wrapped up in Christ. That he is the resurrection. Eugene Peterson says this. 
when Paul wrote about being raised with Christ, he was talking about a miracle. But the miracle isn't that, that we are delivered from our present circumstances, but rather that we are transformed by them. See, the miracle is not that you're just instantly delivered and you're living in this pie in the sky and up in heaven in this kind of fantasy Christian world. But the, the real miracle is that you're still in here and you're, you're, you're in this world, but you're not of this world. And you can live different and be different. And the living power of Christ is living inside you and you can be transformed by him. That you are brand new and yet being made new. And he goes on in verse 10, it says, listen to this, put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn about your creator. See, you were created in the image of God, but you've been messed up by sin. And we've invited Christ into your heart. There's this new creation that's taking place. And it's not that God's, he's, he's bringing you back to the original. He's making you into more of you, how you were meant to be, how you were created to be. Not this impossible you that you think is just kind of, man, that'll happen one day. No, no. It's happening right now. Resurrection power. See, it is, a, it, it is happening. Recognize what your treasure is. Recognize it's a journey. Recognize it is a choice. Paul says this, put on. Put on these things. Let me actually read it for you. Put, put on, uh, clothe yourself with tender mercy, kindness, and humility. Do you realize that humility is a choice? That you could put it on? That you make the choice? And, and sometimes we kind of look at, well, it's just this kind of miracle thing that God will just like instantly make me humble. No, no, no. He'll put some really arrogant people in your path, and you'll learn how to get humble. You want to learn patience? Go to a family barbecue. Have a couple kids. You'll learn patience. Right? It's a journey. We could put it on. We make the choice. He said, clothe yourself. But the thing is, when we get saved, you don't know how to dress yourself. You see, you, you're living, you want to live by that old nature, and you want to kind of dress yourself with some of this crazy stuff. My kids right now, man, we, sometimes we try to let them dress themselves. It's awesome. I love some of the outfits they come, with, come out with. The other day, my daughter, Reese, she came out with, it wasn't just funny what she was wearing, but how she was wearing. She had her T-shirt, but she had her head stuffed through the arm. <laughs> and she had one arm through the other, you know? And it was just awesome. Like, she's trying to dress herself. And that's what a new Christian is like. A new Christian, man, you're, you're trying to learn it. You're trying to figure it out. But you, you know, you, it's, it's a choice. And so that's why Paul says this. As you put on these things, remember and make allowance for each other's faults. Because remember this, you were forgiven. There was a time when you stuck your head through the armpit too. There, there was a time when you didn't know how to put on humility. There was a time in your life where you didn't know how to be gentle and, and merciful and kind. There was a time in your life where you were just like that person that you're angry at. As a matter of fact, there's some people in your life that you're angry at and upset with, and the reason that you're angry and upset with isn't so much that you're angry and upset with them, but the fact that you see yourself in them. You know what I'm saying? Recognize. Make allowance. Everyone isn't where you're at. We are all on this journey together. Remember, the Lord forgave you. This thing called love, it's what binds us together. 
It's what binds us together. If I could have the band come back up. Man, it binds us together. Paul says, let the message of Christ in all of its riches fill your lives. Let the message of Christ and all of its riches fill your lives. This morning, may you, may you awaken to the reality that it is a brand new life in Jesus Christ. May you awaken to the reality of what the real treasure is. May you awaken to the reality that it's not just resurrection past or resurrection future, but it's resurrection right now. And that Christ, the creator of everything, is alive and living inside of you. We journey together. So let us put on humility. Let us put on gentleness. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all of creation. Please stand with me. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and here on earth. He made things that we can see and even the things that we can't such as thrones and kingdoms and rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all of creation together. He existed before anything else, and he holds all of creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning He is supreme over all who rise from the dead. And so he is first in everything. For God in all of his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He reconciled everything to himself by the means of Christ's blood on the cross. Let's pray. Lord, this morning, God, as we just celebrate resurrection, we celebrate this new life, Lord God, that that you made possible through your blood on the cross, that we are have experienced, experiencing now, and will experience in the days to come. God, if there's someone in here that doesn't know you, who doesn't know that resurrection power, God, I pray right now that this is their moment. Lord God, you're just calling them to you. If you're in here this morning and you want to know that resurrection power, right now it's just you and God. Just take this moment and just, just you and him. God, come into my life. Come into my heart. I've tried to live it by the old ways for so long I just I need to be made new in you you're a good good father God you you're so so good 
while we were yet sinners, while we were yet afar off, God, you are, God, you're good when I'm not. God, you're faithful when I'm unfaithful. Oh, God, you are good. We just, just worship you this morning, God.